Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. I'm your co-host Steve Stefano Mancini. And my name is Claudio Relsano. And as always, we appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to our show. And you know what? It is never too early in the year to say Happy New Year again. Claudio, finally, I am not sick. <laughs> I, I actually got on the treadmill on on Friday and Saturday and again today. And I was doing five miles at a pop, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to cough. I'm going to cough this thing out." And today, I had no coughing, so I was like, "Woohoo! I'm all better." But I actually wanted to kind of start to show off just a little bit differently. We actually received an email from Margo. Margo, I'm not going to say your last name, but I do want to thank you, and you know who you are. Thank you. But she sent an email and made a comment about something we talked about before, which was the changing of last names at Alice Island. And she said, actually, that's a misnomer. And she sent me a great article and I read it. And apparently, you know, when the, when the manifest, before they would leave, come over, they would essentially use that manifest to then come in and they would say, okay, these are the people on the boat. And are you, you know, are you John Doe? Yep. Okay. Got it. And, and check in and, and do all the background. And if they didn't like you, they sent you away. No, but, uh, but, but I thought that was interesting because I don't know if it's right or wrong. I wasn't there. I don't know, but I will say this. I'm going to go back and look because I swear that my last name was changed because I know for a fact that my grandfather changed it back to the way it was spelt in Italy. And so some of the people still spell it with an E, but some of us spell it with an I. And the ones where E was where it was, it, say the word you want, but it was changed when it came, where somewhere along the line it was changed. You know, I'm sure when in Italy they knew how to spell Mancini. I mean, it's very common. It's like Smith in Italy, you know. So I don't know. But I, it's the same with ours. Mine was S-O-N-N-I. And my grandfather came over at age 15, and that's where they placed the name Relsano, R-E-I-L-S-O-N-O. How they got it, I don't know. But when he left, it was S-O-N-N-I. When he came to Pittsburgh, it was Relsano. And they gave it to him right then and there. So Just what it was. So he did not change it back then to his... No, the, he kept it. Okay. No. All right. Well... Live and learn. But anyway, so Barbara, appreciate the email. Yes, and thank I, you. I think that's going to be one I'm going to talk about more. I'm going to do a little homework because I somewhere our name was changed and it had to be changed back. Later on, he changed it back. So we'll we'll follow up and with that. And maybe a zillion people weren't changed. Well, that's right. They're, they're, they, I mean, mistakes. These people are handwriting it at the end of the day, too. So, uh, you know. That's right. You know, they may not have intentionally done it. I would love, that's definitely something we're going to talk about. You mean about. The, the Italians coming in handwritten? Is that what you said? Well, no, the people that were. Oh, yes. Or. No, either right. Or. Part, a lot of those people were illiterate. And then the people that are receiving them are their government workers. Hey, some things haven't changed. As a former government worker, <laughs> let's just say accuracy wasn't exactly something we strive for. Sorry, folks. Well, well, <laughs> that's how, why I How left. about in the, uh, I, I know it's a movie, but his name. Oh, and The Godfather yeah, is the most uh, famous well, they, one. Corleone, but what, yeah. what was he? They said, where are you from, Corleone? Yeah, and they said, from, okay, you're so. Oh, wait a minute. Jeez, what was his name? It's it was like Andalini. A- Andalini, yeah. very good. Andalini. Hey, I've only seen the movie a thousand a- times, but you know, hey. Andalini. And the, the kid, he didn't speak, if right. you remember. They asked him, they said, they looked at his, his passport or his uh, thing. He says, from Corleone, your name's Corleone. And that's why I think it probably happened. It may not have happened, All like you time. said, with frequency, yeah. but, I, but I, that happened. But anyways, we digress, but that is a great conversation. Margo, again, thank you very much. That was a fantastic uh, email. And just proof, folks, that we are reading your emails. And, you know, if you have any questions, any thoughts, um, would like to add to the conversation, please feel free to send us an email at 
questions at italianimpactweekly.com. So please go ahead and keep in touch with us. We love it. And with that being said, we actually have a very special guest. Uh, and, and again, I met this person through she had watched another or listened to another episode of ours, reached out to us, got to know her a little bit, went out. I'm excited to have her on the show. I'd like to welcome everyone. We have Pat Benincasa. Pat, how are you? Well, hi. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. It's an honor. Oh, no. We're, the honor's ours because, listen, we saw your resume and I was like, whoa, this is a, this is a good guest. <laughs> Where you, have you been all my life? When you need a website for your resume, that's pretty good. <laughs> Pat, again, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, so, you know, one of the things we always like to do is start with, you know, learn a little bit about the guest. You know, I am not a common household name. You're probably more famous than I am. But you know what? Some folks out there may not know who you are. So a little bit about where you're from. But Claudio and I always, this is our litmus test for your for your true Italian nature is, where's your family from? Oh, my gosh. My family are from a little village called Mangone. It's 13 miles south of Cosenza in oh. southern Italy. So you're in the deep I'm south. I'm Calabrese. So am I. Okay. Very good. Let, let, let's get this out right up front. <laughs> I, am a, I am a hardhead, okay? <laughs> I love it. And you probably do not like bland food if you're true. Are oh. you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Pat. My, my family's from Calabria. My dad, Falerina. My mom, Nocera Terina. So we're, so we're not far from each other. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I know Cosenza is a little bit more, more on the east. I'm on. The, I'm in. I'm from the Provincia di Cosenza, my my grandmother's side, and it's um. Okay. It's a little little piccolo paese in nella montagna si chiama Mendatricio, and it's probably about 15 minutes from the beach, which is crazy because this is mm. the one thing I'll say about Calabria. <clears throat> Calabria has crazy weather. It's like you're on the beach. And then you just go 15, 20 minutes, and you're literally skiing. It's it's very interesting <laughs> geography. I don't think people appreciate that because when I the first time I went there, I was expecting it to be like Sicily. It was going to be dry. It was going to be hot. It was going to yep. be miserable. And I go there, I'm like, it's these beautiful, lush, you know, trees and mountains. You know, beautiful beaches. And I'm like, this is not what I expected at all. Have you ever been there, Pat? Oh yes, I went to the village where my mom and dad were born. Oh, good. good. I was going to say, because I wanted to talk about that, because you're a first generation. Yes. You're, when, when did your family come over? What year? Well, my my uh, dad came over in the uh, 30s, and my mother came over a little bit earlier than that. So my dad came in through Canada, and okay. my mother came in through Ellis Island, but they all ended up in the Pontiac, Detroit area. Mm. Now... You're going to settle this for us once and for all. Did they okay. change your mom's name when she came to Ellis Island? <laughs> no, no, no. No. Still Scarzando. Dead. It was Rizzuto, and they kept it. Huh. Especially if she came to New York. Well, no, Phil wasn't playing at the time. <laughs> are you guys related to Phil Rizzuto, the Rizzuto family? Phil? You know, I don't know if we are, but I'm going to say absolutely we are. Sure. Okay. Now, if he batted 210 and wasn't any good, <laughs> ah, he's not going to win. you don't know. I'm so glad you said that like that because I'll tell you why. People say, oh, you're related to, you know, Henry or Boom Boom. And I, sh I always say, no, I'm not related to anybody famous. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start saying yes. I'm going to start yeah, to, oh, yeah, yeah. Henry, he was, he was like an uncle to me. Right. Ray Boom Boom. I used to beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Ray and I used to box when we were kids. Yeah, I showed I him a thing or two. 
We we need to get him on the show though because we uh, we, we'll definitely have some fun with that. But let's talk about this. So you're first generation. Now I think you're up in Minnesota right now. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Okay, because I can tell by the accent. There is a Minnesota accent, but I want to talk about you know, you know, obviously you're an artist and and. Pat, before we end, remind me somebody to make sure that we give chance, you know, your contact info, your website, so people can get a hold of you. Because I want people to see your art, because I think it is absolutely fantastic. You're a wonderful artist, and we've had a different artist Thank you. on the show. And Vince is a great guy, great artist. You know, a little, I would say it's a little bit of, of a different genre of, of the style, similar but not exactly the same. But you're an award winner. You know, you taught. Talk about, you know, where, when did your passion? Because, because I believe. To be good at something, you have to be passionate about it. I mean, yes, there are natural skills, God-given skills that we all have, but if we don't, if we're not passionate about it, we never really exercise those skills to their fullest. Yep. So for you to become not just an artist, but a good artist means, hey, I had the skill and the passion and I put it together and now you're living it. So talk about that. When did you kind of discover that, hey, this is my passion? You know, that's a hard question to answer because... I don't think there was ever a time that I wasn't an artist. Now, I'm going to date myself. Did you guys have, I went to Catholic school. Sorry. I mean, so did I. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So uh, there was a thing called the Baltimore Catechism. And we had to memorize all the questions and answers. And the first one was, why did God make me? And the answer was, God made me to know him, love him, and to serve him. But as a little kid, I said, God made me to know him, to love him, to serve him, and be an artist. And Steve, I didn't even know what the hell that was. I didn't even know what it meant. Okay? (laughs) But I always said it. I always knew it. So some people see it as a career. And again, because I went to Catholic school and they were always talking about vocations, I saw it as an absolute vocation. It was it was why I was put on this earth. When a couple of things, Pat. First sure. of all, I, I'm looking at some of your work, and the thing that just hits me is the detail that you put. Like like even you know the, the one thing uh, the um, let me get it here the furnace, uh, the central oh, furnace the, in Cleveland. Oh, the blast furnace. Yeah, but I mean even the the darkness around the screws and and the you know whatever you want to call that. I mean that's. A, that's a fantastic job. You just didn't put screws there. You, it, it looks like it's real, you know, and that, you really can't get any better compliment than that. So I congratulate you for yeah. your thing. But, you know, okay, there's people out there, like I'm, I, I work in baseball. I didn't know when I was eight years old that I had a talent in baseball. I didn't know, but I knew what I wanted to do. When did you, you wanted to be an artist, but really you have to be oh, born yeah. with that thing. How, when did you know, yes, I can do this? You know what? Ever since I could, even before I was verbal, my parents used to get the Reader's Digest, the books. Sure. And as a little kid, I would get pencils and draw on the pages. I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know what a book per se. I just saw, I just saw the white of the pages and I would draw on everything. And so it was becoming obvious that I, I was an artist. And then, as I said, going to Catholic school, Catholic school art classes was when they would hand out uh, a mimeograph of a saint and told you to color it, okay? And I'm I'm there, like, drawing things into the picture and changing the faces and adding a background. 
And I, I just couldn't help myself. It just, it's just like you know what to do. It was. Have you ever done something that just feels like you, you just know? You're not even thinking of it. It just comes out. I, I tell you what I did. It was, uh, I want to say, 73 or 74. I, I'm a baseball card collector. Well, at the time, oh. I used to draw mustaches and stuff on <laughs> magazines and things like that. Well, somewhere well, out there's a Mickey Mantle card well, with a mustache close. on it. <laughs> oh, Dave, no. Dave Winfield, who's a Hall of Famer, uh, yep. a megastar, I, he already had a mustache. So I drew a different one on him. <laughs> and that card is worth, well, not now it's not worth any money. And my mom, I, in 73, when we got the, the last Clementi card, I'll never forget this, Pat. As soon as she got, as soon as I opened it, I said, Ma, look, I got Roberto Clementi. She took that card and she hit, I don't want you painting anything on this card, you know. Oh. And I still have all those cards. <laughs> but like an idiot, I, I drew a, a, a mustache oh. on the day. And I never got another Dave Winfield rookie card. And that's worth some oh, money. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes, but, it is. Now, if you would have drawn the mustache on it, <laughs> it would have been worth, worth more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what's funny? I used to do that. And, and I'll tell you what is funny. Is I was looking at an old yearbook from, I, and by the way, Pat, I too went to Catholic school. I'm K through 12, good Catholic. Mm-hmm. Still pra- believe it or not, mm-hmm. I still practice. Even after going to Catholic school, I'm still practicing. And wow. what's, what's, I know. <laughs> I love believe the wow. It or not. Why, why it she says, wow, you say believe it or not. Well, I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll go on one small tangent. I, I've said this before. I, I do another show called Pentecost Today USA, and I've made this comment. I said nobody, and I, it's unfortunate, but here's a, it's a true statement. Nobody does more to chase people away from the Catholic Church than the Catholic Church. I mean, just I'll just leave it at that. Go, go tune into the other podcast, and you'll hear, okay, it's a good positive podcast, but I will tell you, that sometimes, you know, it's funny you said that, Pat, about the good examples of the art class. To this day, I went to Central here in Pittsburgh, and to this day, mm-hmm. I remember the first words that my art teacher, Mr. Fred DeGroot, great guy, and the first thing he would open up his class with was, men and all you other guys, and then he would go into his class. And it was like all these little funny things I learned in school. But to your point, Pat, it was... Uh, it was learn your colors, mix them, and, and paint a saint. And you're like, all right. I mean, it's not bad. Yeah, I, I, that's I, what you did. Right. I don't have – you know, it's funny because I have a passion without talent. I love to draw, but I'm not good at it. So I don't care what anybody says. They say, well, anybody, you can get good at it. You can get you can get what I'll call acceptable at something by working hard. But sometimes yeah. you just don't have it. You I mean, to be born with well, it. Well, I, I believe because look at athletes. A lot of them work hard, but they don't all yep. make it. Why is that? They just yep. don't have the it. And, you know, I, I, I'm glad that, you know, when I meet people like yourself that that both have the passion and the talent and you've put it together. It's like you're living in fulfillment of what – I love what you said before, what, you're, what you were made to be. And, and you know, and I believe yeah. that a lot of what we do – you know, like Cloudy and I do this podcast. The only thing that I can really look at this podcast is that I hope it entertains I hope people enjoy it. I hope it makes people oh. feel good. That's that's my gift. When you draw a painting, people look at it. It's the same thing. Yes, you probably draw that. Ultimately, it's for your self-satisfaction. But but I mean, let me ask you though. I mean, is there is it does it matter to you what other people think? Okay, let me answer you this way. In my heart, in my mind, a painting isn't finished until the first person sees it. Oh, interesting. Okay, I mean, for me. Now, there are artists who say, I make it for myself. I don't care if anybody sees it. God bless them. That's fine. But for me, it is about putting work into the world. 
that to me is that's what completes the painting. You know, a bridge isn't a bridge until the first person crosses. <laughs> well, that's right. So, yeah. you know, the same is true for for me now. I, I'm not speaking for other artists. I wouldn't dare. Um, I'm just saying that I I really love the fact that someone can come to a work of mine and they start talking about, and I'm thinking, who the hell are they talking about? I don't see that in the but you know what? <laughs> but that's the beauty of it. Everybody brings their own joys and sorrows to a work of art. They interpret it. That's beautiful. You know, it's funny because I was I was curious. Whenever you're an artist or something, you, you paint a painting, and someone looks at I think the artist was trying to say, you know, this is a you know, you know, a, a message on the in the evils of humanity. And you're thinking it's a flower. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like I, I, thought, I saw a pretty flower and wanted to paint it, and somebody turns into this crazy message. Does that happen a lot People with you? People do. What do you think know. of that though? You're like, I, yeah, I wasn't thinking I think, that. I'm just drawing a, you know, drawing a flower here. You know. I I have to respect the fact that I cannot control what a viewer brings to my work. I learned that early on. I cannot control, you know, if you're a writer, you can't control how people are going to read your work or listen to your music. So at some point, you just got to let it go and uh, hope that the, the work touches their lives. Well, and I would also say that the fact that people are, are looking at your art with an intensity and willing to even think about it, where they come up with an idea of what it might mean, means you've done exactly what I think art is supposed to do. It's not only supposed to just, I mean, yeah, there's art that's just, it should just, just look at it and admire the pretty, you know, it, it's a you know pretty whatever. But then there's other things that I, I think there are some things out there that make you think. And I think, pun intended, that, you know, there, that's an added benefit of good art. I think so. If it, it's provocative, it stirs something inside of you, it makes you wonder about things. Whoa, that's the trifecta. <laughs> right. Pat, I'm looking at your website and the okay. picture of uh, Giuseppe Benicasa and uh, my glasses, Caterra, uh, Mauro Benicasa. Gaetano. Gaetano, yep. okay. My, my eyes are bad. How, and you painted both of those? Yes, and I got to tell you. Unbelievable. When an, when an artist does genealogy, now, I like words. I love words. I'm a voracious reader. But when it, when it comes down to what I take in or what really moves me, painting reveals everything. So when I, I started a genealogy about my grandfather, Giuseppe Benincasa, and I thought, well, I'll just look at the papers and research. And I, I got in deep. I found all sorts of records like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, coming back and forth from uh, Canada to Mangon and his army papers. And I was able to put his life together. And he lost, lost his left hand, his left arm, when he worked on the Welland Canal in Canada. So here's all this stuff about the guy that I don't know. Then it hit me. And I'm almost embarrassed to say this. I'm an artist. I didn't even know this, but I had to paint his picture. I, did, I didn't start out that way. I was just doing, you know, family research, genealogy. But to do a real genealogy, I had to paint his picture. Did you? That, oh, did, my God. Did you meet your grandfather? I know. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, okay. uh, he was alive when I was a little kid. And um, he died in 1958, but yeah, I had time with him. Oh. 
Um, but is, but listen, don't you guys think like when we grow up, we have our grandparents there, and I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of like understood that every every Italian house came equipped with one non English speaking grandma or grandpa, <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that how we grew up? Sure. I mean, let's get down to it, okay? Now, okay, can, can I? Can I diverse for for a moment? Pat, this is your time. Go for it. <laughs> okay, okay. I just want to read a little snippet about what I'm talking about. And when I wrote about my uh, grandmother and my grandfather, it's called La Bella Vita a Pontiac. And it goes, like many 1950s Italian-American households, grandparents lived with one of their married children. This was a time when relatives constantly visited each other. Cousins were always together, celebrating birthdays and holidays. It seems that there was some unspoken rule that it was okay to visit any time, day or night, and that copious amounts of food, wine, coffee would suddenly appear. It was doorbell opera at its finest choreographed personality speaking in animated dialect or rapid-fire broken English. Heads would nod, faces contort to a chorus of laughter or gasps of shocked dismay. As a little kid, I thought those moments were no big deal because they would last forever. Hey, Pat, when you said that, you know, the, obviously, you know, the, the comedian Sebastian Manisalco, he talks about when he was a kid, people would stop over. Hey, come on. Come on in the house. Get the get yeah. the coffee and the cookies. This, now, when the, when somebody knocks at the door, who is that? When, duck. <laughs> duck. Shut the light off. It's different. Be quiet. Yes. Who is it? Did it's you ask somebody? It's a different somebody? world. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Now, um, something I'm, I'm curious about. You've obviously heard of writer's block, right? Did you ever get to yes. painter's block? You know what? I've, I've come to understand, as a young artist, I would be scared you know whatless, thinking, oh, my God, I'm never going to make another piece of art again. It's all stopped. Okay. Now, I've had several decades of art making to understand one precious truth, and that's this. When I get uh, what they call writer's block or creative block, I now realize that some huge change is trying to form itself, and I haven't caught up emotionally. So instead of getting mad at myself as a young artist, I you know, panic. You know, this isn't the gospel of scarcity. When we're given a gift, it's there. But we grow and change. So when that change is coming and we can't wrap our minds around it, well, you can't make art. Until all of a sudden the pieces fall into place, and that's my two-dollar answer about writer's block. No, that's actually uh, that's interesting because I I do a lot of academic writing, and there are times okay. when I've got to like for example, I'm a, I'm now a full-time university professor. So if you know anything about oh, academia, yeah. you have to it's publish or perish. If you want to get tenure, you got to yeah. publish, publish, publish. Got it. And there are times where you're like I don't know what the research, and you're trying to like look for a problem you know, just to write about it so that you can have something. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, you might be skilled at something, but ideas are not plentiful. And ideas at the right time yeah. are, are another challenge. Pat, I want to talk about a couple other things, though, because we're going to go, obviously, the show is called Italian Impact Weekly. I want to talk about your, your Italian experiences. 
you did not like do you, you kind of made a point before that you took the old times when you were younger with the grandparents kind of for granted well, i think a lot of people yep. do that and and i've always said this you know this is something that happened to me later on was what i'll call a passion for that generation and i and i developed it later in life and unfortunately it was most of them are gone but i remember those little mm-hmm. those little visits or this you know this little that mm-hmm. or the phone call or whatever and and you look like man i would give almost anything to hear that person's voice again what was the impetus in your life where you, you know, obviously you didn't just, you know, I wake up one day and say, ah, you know, I think I want to do my genealogy research. If anybody has ever done true genealogy research, it is work. It's not like, yes, you know, people, people make it sound like, oh, just log on to this website and put my last name and then everything <coughs> pops out. Yeah, there's, there are oh, some no. documents you can find, but I mean, it took me years to get everything yep. down on, on both sides. What was the impetus though that made you say, you know what, I want to do this? You know, I... I grew up, I kind of grew up in two worlds. My mom and dad Americanized. They wanted to be American so bad. So in our house, we really didn't talk Italian. But when I went to the relatives, which I was there all the time, you know, the broken English, I mean, they were the real deal. And they were so Italian. And I always felt at home in that. That was always, always, it just felt home. It was home. And I, I think that, if we don't know where we come from, I don't think we know who we are. Amen. We, we, how many times have so, we said that on this show? Yeah, we, we've said it, but go ahead, Pat, because that's absolutely right. Okay. I, I, I'm going to go into a different direction to answer you. And I'm not, I'm not one of these woo-woo people, okay? I'm just, I'm just making art. That's what I do. Okay. So... I believe that we, when we come into this world, when we come down that cosmic baby chute, we bring in a lot of people with us. Our DNA, we carry so many stories, so many. And I am very aware that my ancestors, every morning I ask them, I, I talk to them, my beloved ancestors, guide me today, help me today. I'm always talking to them. And... I think they're always with us. And so for myself, like um, I did, I did a seven ton glass and steel skylight sculpture on the state capitol grounds in St. Paul. And mm. it's pure compound geometry. It's steel fabrication. It's, it's construction. And I, I often, when I look at the piece, I think, Jesus, how did that happen? You know, <laughs> I know how it happened, but, but, I think that in my, you know, we're Italians. Our families go back. We had artisans. We had painters. We had laborers. We had people who worked the earth. All of that is in our is in our blood, and the blood knows. Pat and I, I before we go to commercial break, I I believe that they are definitely with us. I have some facts to prove that one day, when I tell you, but I definitely believe they are there. Uh, for sure. I know. So I appreciate you saying that. All right. Well, Pat, mm-hmm. stay on the line, though. We're going to take a quick break. Folks are just tuning in. We have Pat Benincasa on. But, uh, you know, stick around after the commercial break as we are having a great conversation. If you missed Italian Impact Weekly live on WKHB Radio every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., 620 a.m., 102.1 FM, you can always listen to the archives by going to www 
ItalianImpactWeekly.com. And here's such great guests as Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, Chris Corciani, Vince Papali, and many, many successful business people, painters, artists, singers, we have them all on. Our other show that Steve and I do, Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini, you can hear that on www.crsmmedia.com. And on that show, we cover such topics as different funnels of income, dealing with rejection, pivoting to a new career, and we've had such great guests as boxing icon Jerry Cooney, and we have many, many others coming on soon to share their stories. If you're interested in having your own podcast, contact Empire Media Ventures at questions at italianimpactweekly.com or for appearances by Claudio and Steve, go to that same website, italianimpactweekly.com. And my show, The Claudio Relsano Show on claudiorelsano.com. We've had such great guests as Ken Griffey Sr., Rocky Blyer, Dick Vermeil, Roman Gabriel, Pierre LaRouche, oh. many, many others. And uh, so again, you can check that show out at ClaudioRelsano.com. And my book, you can get it on ClaudioRelsano.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com. The book is called Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. We appreciate all of your support, and we will be right back with Pat. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know, and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks, Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. That's La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. We'd also like to thank Chris Gonzalez from the Knights of Columbus. If you have any questions about joining the Knights of Columbus, reach out to Chris Gonzalez at 412-605-9074. All right, folks, welcome back. We are joined by special guest Pat Benincasa. Pat is a first-generation Italian-American woman. She's a visual artist, art educator, and a podcaster. Pat, again, thank you for taking the time to join us. And let's kind of jump into the podcast. Podcast focuses okay. on art, yes, or is it a life? Let's talk about the podcast. No, actually it doesn't. It's called Filt Capacity, and it's a podcast for people too stubborn to quit and too creative not to make a difference. So I talk to people who are putting things into the world, doing creative things, building things, trying to make the world a better place. And some of these stories, my God, I've talked to one guy that, is designing a wind turbine, a kite that generates so uh, generates power, and he's in the Shetlands in Scotland. I interview people that uh, a storm chaser. She drives right into the heart of these tornadoes. All these things. So I look for people. I do artists. I talk to uh, uh, one woman was an equine therapist, and how working with horses as a therapy to bring people, uh, to have them come around. So I'm always looking for those stories of people 
doing amazing things. That's fantastic. Now, you also have spent decades of teaching. Talk about your teaching career a little yes. bit. Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. So I'm the teacher you don't sleep through, okay? <laughs> Let's just get that I, I can't right imagine out. that, Pat. I just can't imagine that, but go ahead. Really? <laughs> I, I've taught at uh, arts high schools, and I, I've done a great deal of teaching um, college level and guest lecturing at colleges. Uh, I taught at an arts high school, and I love those kids. I, it, it's a high school with writers, performers, theater kids, visual artists, and I have such immense respect for young people who want to create, build, or make the world a better place. And so they knew, they knew I fiercely respected them. I, I just love those kids. And yeah, they'd come to class uh, wearing jammy bottoms and spiked hair <laughs> and the attitude. And, you know, I was kind of a badass at that age, and I won't go into it. So those thoroughly kids with the chip on their shoulders the size of Nebraska, I love those kids. So I'm still in contact with kids I've taught in college and high school since 1985. I, I just, I don't know, we intersect. Teaching high school is a time when kids are at the crossroad. They are forging who they're going to be for the rest of their lives. What an honor and a privilege to be a part of that. It doesn't get better than that. Very nice. Well said. You know, being in baseball or any sport, everybody likes to emulate somebody. Some people want to throw like Dan Marino, wear his uniform number or, or whatever. Is there an artist that you wanted to be like, His their style? Oh, man. Or, I'm sorry? That, that's a tough question. That's like asking a mother, which of your 10 children do you like the best? <laughs> I can answer that. No, okay. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm that's, kidding. <laughs> that's a tough question, but I will tell you. Uh, now, I grew up, my parents were business people. No one ever talked about art. No one. And so I remember as I was 11 or 12, and I rode my bike to uh, Hudson's department store in Pontiac, and I went up to the, the, the top floor, and they had a little bookstore. And I went in there, and sort of, you know, these big books like The History of Western Art. Of course, of course I'm going to go to the book. Of course I'm going to open it. I flip open the page, and there's Giotto, early Renaissance. And it was like someone knocked the wind right out of me. Now, for those of you who don't know who Giotto is, up until he shows up, in the late 1300s, art was like these icons of stiff, you know, uh, the stiff uh, Jesus, the Blessed Mother holding the baby, very, very stiff with a gold leaf background. Along comes Giotto, and he paints people in clothing, the St. Francis series, and all these different paintings, and the faces have such a tenderness to them. Such, oh my God, it knocked the wind out of me. I thought... Who are you? And I remember digging in my pocket. I gave them all the money I had. I bought that book, and it was a big sucker. And I had it under my arm while riding my bike. But I have never forgotten. I fell in love that day with Giotto. Giotto di Bondone. I will never forget <laughs> the power. I have his paintings all over my house, copies of them, you know, so that when I go from room to room, sometimes I'll say, how did you do that? How did you know? to pull the flatness out of painting and bring so much tenderness into the feeling. Nobody was doing that. 
how the hell did you know that? And so when I cross over, one of my first things will be, I want to meet Giotto. The second one is, I want to be able to read the Inferno, which I've been studying for 20 years. I want to be able to read it the way Dante wrote it and understand it in his time. Those are my two big ifs, that are things I'd like to do. So are you learning? Do you speak Italian? You know, at one time I did. I, I took intensive Italian before I went to Italy. But in Minnesota, who am I going to talk to, Steve? Who right. the hell am I going to talk to? Uh, okay. but, you can call but me. I, don't I, worry. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, I've read, I have read the Inferno, listened to it for 15, 20, God, 25 years. And I, I listen to it. I study it over and over and over again. And, oh, my God, I, I love it. I just, there's so much to it. Pat, you mentioned two things that you'd like to do. Is there a dream piece of artwork that you would like to paint? Whatever, you know what? I, I feel as though I have done some incredible, I've had incredible opportunities. And you can be sure I've maxed it out. And so I don't know what life is going to bring me, but whatever it is, I'll make it my best. All right, I'm going to throw an idea out there. Okay. I come want, to the studio. Yeah, I come to the studio, but I want to see me in like 18th century you know, nobility clothing on my throne, you know, with my legs crossed and staring off. <laughs> it was almost, it's almost like Kramer from a Seinfeld type picture. So that's what I'm there looking for. Um, but you know what? I want to go back to something because you talked about the kids. Cause, you know, it's funny because I've been, co I mean, Claudio's been coaching for decades. I coached for 20 years. I teach now. And you wow. know, you, you're right. It, there, there is something about trying to be a positive force in these kids' life. Because, you know, what I've learned over the years is that some of these kids have horrible home lives. And you yes, might be the only opportunity to be a positive, fun, you know, uh, experience in their life. But I also know that kids pick up on fakeness. So if you are oh, sincere, yeah, so if you're sincere oh. and you're entertaining, they're going to latch on you. Because that's the one thing. I'm like you. I, I mean, you can tell how I am in the classroom. I'm about as politically incorrect as they come, yep. and I get the I get the looks like, did he just say that? He just said that, yeah. you know. And I don't care, you know. What are they? Especially when I was an adjunct, I was like, I don't care. I'm on a contract, one term at a time. They fire go. me. Um, now I got to care because I'm full time. But uh, but I, I can't. I can't. you know because it's funny you said something else. Um, I have the same problem with the old filtering what comes out of the mouth as well. Uh, you know, it's yeah. it just you open up and there it is, and people kind of look at you and you're like, yeah, I just said that. Well, what can I do? You know, to, to your point, it is who I am. But that, but that passion is what grabs people, and that's what grabs kids. Yeah. And I think a lot of teachers struggle with that because it's a job. It's, it, it's, it becomes a job, even if they start off passionate. I have seen it in coaches that burn out. I've seen yeah. it in teachers that burn out. You know, you may have started with the best intentions, but at some point you're like, eh, I don't, you know, good, I get to go to practice, you know, you know oh, great, we get to go to class again, you know, oh, great. And people sense that. It's, so it, it's like, I, I won't say where I was, but recently I went somewhere with my wife and the person who was, was waiting was just miserable. And it was like, look, if you don't like your job, especially when you have to interact with other human beings, Think yeah. of another career because you are influencing that person, especially as a teacher or a coach. I don't, what are your thoughts on oh, that? Oh, yeah. Well, here's a couple of things. One, it's hard being a teacher now. Oh, yeah. Now, I, stopped teaching about, uh, I, I stopped teaching just before COVID hit. And it is hard because in this country, we politicize teachers. 
we have individual school boards that monitor books, uh, monitor teachers. It's really a tough time. I'll tell you, it's tough. And I know so many dedicated teachers who, who they don't give a rat's you-know-what. They will make a difference no matter what. And going into that day in and day out, that takes a lot of fortitude. And my respect for teachers like that are enormous. But I also agree with you. If you don't have the, if you don't have the respect for how holy and sacred your work is to, to touching lives, don't do it. Get the hell out of there. Right. They, these kids, these kids more than ever need, they need positive, and I'm not talking toxic positivity. I'm not that, okay? Right. I'll tell you the way I see it. But they do, they have a way of detecting authenticity. Yes. These no, kids, absolutely. They do. And one thing I love about teaching, uh, well, whenever I talk, I say something, I say, wait a minute. I don't know about this. Hey, anybody in here? How do you? What? What is this? Tell me. Tell me. I don't know this. You know, I tell them. I fess up right away. I, I did not want to pretend I'm something right. that I'm not. Yeah, don't be afraid and to I say the words you. I don't know. That's that. That is a killer oh, for a God. lot of people. Just you don't have to have all the answers. You say, you know, what? I don't know, because then when you do speak, people will know. When you don't know, you'll say you don't know. So if you're saying you know, yes. I'll trust you that you know. Exactly. And you know what? Aren't we all lifelong learners? I, I wish that wasn't such a cliche, but I, I want to get up in the morning and know that I'm going to learn something new. I, I want to be challenged. I want to read something, do something, make something. That's new. And these kids respond to that. They do. Pat, two, They respond oh, to it. Oh, I'm sorry. Two, two questions. Okay. I, I'm looking at a lot of your work, and it's really unbelievable. How long... Two questions. How long does it take you to do, for example, the uh, Central Furnace uh, painting in Cleveland? And um, number two, uh, what was the number? I forgot the second question. Go answer that one first. It'll hit me. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I know the second Go. one. I'll forget. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, if you look at, I'm sure Steve and myself, we look back at our first show and we look at our shows now it's all oh, man we're so much better now than we were then or as a coach i'm better now than i was then do you mm -hmm. look at your paintings and say wow i'm so much better now than i was then so number one how long does it take you to make a, a painting something like the central furnace cleveland painting and number two do you look back at some of your art and say oh boy I, how much better i am now I, I don't do that i don't do that to my work you know, life will judge us. The world will judge us, Steve. I mean, no matter what, when you put yourself out there like you guys do with your podcast, with your ideas, I'm sure you're going to be criticized or appreciated, whatever. We are in the world. We will be judged. And I learned long ago, either I stand with myself or against myself. And I choose as an artist, I'm the caretaker and guardian of this talent that I've been given. It's a gift. So I gotta be, I cherish it, I guard it. I'm the spokeswoman for it. So I, I don't go down that road, you know, second guessing what I put out. When I put it out, it's the best I can do. Or it, it will not leave my studio. Yeah, I don't mean Did second guessing. That? Oh yeah, very much so. I don't mean second guessing. Just maybe your technique is better, or you're more experienced, uh, whatever. I don't know. 
I, I think that uh, my work has gone through different phases. Okay. So it evolves. I always yield to the materials. So when I start shifting into, new, like when I did the works in glass, I did a um, three-dimensional chapel sculpture that had never been done before. The window actually punches out in real space with a 10-foot glass cross on limestone boulders and cut glass overlays. And, you know, when I threw myself into that project, I was working in glass. Glass was new to me. So it's like you have this learning curve of the material, but you bring your your talent, your hunger to learn, your your curiosity about it to make something in that new material. Okay, and the second question, a picture, for example, like the Central Furnace Cleveland painting. Yeah. How long does it take you to do something like that? Okay, you're looking at my industrial paintings. Yes. And just for our, our listeners, uh, these are a series of sheet metal paintings where I build uh, – I build actually uh, truss bridges and uh, structures right off the sheet metal. And so they're real physical and real 3D. And this one's almost 60 inches long. This took me about, uh, I would say, four weeks day and night. Wow. And then I change it and I, I redo it and I you know pull apart and I redo it. But I love building. I just love I love engineering. I like putting things together like that. And I love geometry. I love it with a passion. All my work has geometry at the heart of it. Now, Pat, let me ask you, you obviously have been commissioned by others. What's, what's your most proudest commissioned piece of art? Boy, that's a, that's a tough question. We have nothing me. but good questions, Pat, or we won't do the show. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. I tell you what, um, for commission work, um, wow, I would have to say that redemption window for the Hill Murray Chapel is probably the work that really, really keeps on giving me great joy. People want to get married in front of it. I, I've had oh, wow. letters That's from... fantastic. Uh, it, it was a chapel connected to Hill Murray School, a Catholic high school, and they had built a brand-new chapel. And when they hired me, they hired me and said, do you want to be an art teacher here? And I said, hell no. I don't want to be an art teacher in a Catholic school, but I will be an artist in residence. And i got to tell you guys, those words, you know, things come out of my mouth, and I'm thinking in my head, what did you just say? And then the president of the school said, okay. And I said, I'll rebuild your program. I'll increase enrollment. Let's get started, but I want to throw everything out that you got here. Let's start over. And they did, and they let me, but they had built this new chapel with this 14-foot window by 8-foot facing west. Oh, my God. I'll tell you, I, um, I couldn't believe it. And when the, the president of the school showed me the chapel, he said, we're going to build a steel cross on the outside of the window. And I turned to the guy. I said, no, you're not. I gasped. You need a 3D window with a 10-foot cross on limestone boulders, and it has to project out into the space with glass overlays. And the guy looks at me, and I look at him, and again, this, I always had these conversations in my head, and I can hear myself saying, what are you doing? What the hell are you even talking about? What is this? What are you talking was this, about? Was this something you'd been thinking about before, or was this just literally came to you? No. No, I walked and saw the window. And... You know, I no, 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 you need limestone here. More limestone. 
That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was outraged to put a glass, uh, to put a steel cross on the outside of the window. I wasn't having it. And for three years, I had been making models of two-sided windows. I don't like windows flat. You know, windows like the like the Earth were once thought to be flat. I don't like flat windows. By, I want it to by be the way, by the way, really quickly, one of the churches that I still go to literally has a cross on the outside of the window. I don't get it. Comment. I don't get it. I, I don't know why it gets wear and tear on the weather, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't. It it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to say it. Other than, I'm not even an artist, I, but it, I can look at it and go, that doesn't work. I rest my case. <laughs> and Thank I'm a you. layman. Thank you. All right, Pat, I'm going to ask you another fun question, though, because yeah, um, we wanted, like I said, we didn't really dive into your, we didn't dive into your childhood. Again, one of the other things we have to do on the show is really analyze, psychologically analyze people and so we oh, can find their weaknesses. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I want to talk about some fond memories when you were a kid, because like I said, you had the opportunity to meet that generation. And I'm, and, and I'm always envious. Oh. A lot of my great-grandparents had all passed away well before I was born, except for one. I do remember my grandmother's mother. I did meet her. I don't know her well. I think she died when I was about six years old. But a lot of their, you know, that generation that came over here, I, I didn't get a chance to meet them. But when oh. you look back, what are some, describe some of those oh. memories, those fond memories that you still oh my remember. God. Oh, my God. Do you have about 10 hours? Okay. So, I actually got about two oh minutes, but well, please go ahead. No, kidding. All right. So we had two sets of Aunt Mary's, Aunt Mary Rizzuto, Aunt Mary Lucarelli, one grandmother was at one house, the other grandmother at the other. And we, because my mom and dad worked, my brother Gary, who was named after Gary Cooper, my brother Gary and I spent a lot of time with relatives all the time. And so growing up, I was with all of them. And I got to tell you, uh, my grandmother, Rafaela, four foot eleven. This woman That's tall. Was amazing. <laughs> yeah, for well, my family it is. She she was the most joyful woman. Always life was such a joy to her. She had she had a hard life, but she chose joy. And so she oh God, all the kids love being with her. She'd always stick a five dollar bill in your hand and she'd make the sign go, Shh, don't tell your parents, don't or lemon drops, you know. But she was amazing. And if I could, she, just to give you a flavor of this woman, uh, on South Boulevard, my Aunt Mary and Uncle Echo had a house, and Grandma lived there, and they had a garden in the back. Well, this was in the 50s, and they got a TV set. It was really very early on, and relatives were coming over, and they were looking at this TV set, and everybody mar were all there. And you can get all this broken English, and oh my God! So, a couple of days after they had it, my aunt, my my grandmother Rafaela, the next morning pounds on Aunt Mary's door and Uncle Echo. She says, "Mediat, get up, get up! You have to come out." And she said, "Ma, kiss ma. What's going on?" She said, "We have to clean the house." So they clean the house, and then the next morning, Grandma Rafaela's pounding on the door, Mediat. Maria, Betty, come, come on. And they clean the house again. The third day, she's pounding on the door. Aunt Mary's had it. She comes out and she said, Ma, what's going on? Why, why are we cleaning the house? And my grandmother, Rafael, looks at her and she just says, we have to clean the house 
because the little people in the box will see that the house isn't clean. <laughs> now she was a visionary see, because now those TVs are watching you. But back then, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. But if you want to know oh, what boy. life was like. That really, I have stories like that up the wazoo. <laughs> That's what my growing up was like, and I cherish, oh. I love those people, and I will cherish them. In fact, that's why I wanted to make the paintings of my grandparents, because all this anti-immigration stuff that goes on, I wanted to paint my immigrant parents, and I wanted to honor them. I, right. Very that, nice. I feel, Very nice. I feel fiercely about that. Very nice. Because there go I, but for the grace of one decision. That's right. And, yep. and a was, lot of hard work. Was, oh, my God, through their bravery and what they went through and the, the prejudice, all the things they experienced. My God, what a gift, you know, what a gift they gave us. Thank you. Because you know what? That was, again, that's been one of the themes of the show is to celebrate. And you can celebrate your yes. culture and not be deriding anyone else's. But for no, some reason, no. we seem to just want to poo-poo the Italian experience. And the truth is, a lot of Italians poo-poo the Italian experience. Because they look at oh, it's who cares, who cares, who cares. Do. But you said it. It's if you don't know who, you know, where you've come from, who are you? And the truth is, is I think you know, that's what defines us. And people just don't understand that, the importance of that question. It is huge. And, you know, when I finished the painting of my... My grandmother, Mamako, that we call them Papako and Mamako. When I finished her painting and I wrote about it, my last sentence was, as the daughter of immigrants, I did this painting to honor my southern Italian grandmother and the many women like her who gave us the precious gift of identity. I know who I am and where I come from. Amen. Pat, I want to thank you very much for the time. This was Excellent. Fun. Love that was a great passion. interview. I love. I know it's like as I have met my clone. She's out there in Minnesota. <laughs> so I appreciate it, Pat. This was a very fun interview, and I hope the folks that are listening enjoyed it. Now, Pat, really quickly before we go, where can folks go read about you, learn about you, and want, listen to your podcast and okay. view your art? www.patbenincasa-art. Dot com or just Google my name, Pat Benincasa. It's spelled the same way as St. Catherine of Siena, Katharina Benincasa, okay? Fantastic. And I'll tell you what, I'll include the link whenever we push this out so everyone can go oh, click on the thank link. You. Glad to do it, Pat. It was a great interview. I want to thank you very much for your time. As always, we want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank you, the listeners. And believe it or not, there are people all over the world that are listening to this. And we want to say grazie mille per tutto il tuo tempo. Grazie, grazie, grazie. Oh. Claudia, I always give you the last word. Again, thank you, Pat. We appreciate it. Thank you for all, to all the listeners. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop.